0: and welcome to this bonus episode of the glow journal podcast a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands i'm your host beauty writer Gemma watts and in this bonus episode i'm joined once again by glow journal favorite specialist dermatologist dr ryan who's here to answer the questions you submitted on winter skincare specifically for the body We're covering why it is that our skin sensitivities are heightened with a cold snap, why your body wash is just as important as your moisturizer, how to combat persistent, stubborn dry patches of skin, and exactly which ingredients are winter skin non-negotiables and which ingredients you can go without. I am so often asked really specific questions about the skin, and given that I am an educated consumer and not an expert – I insist on taking those questions to a legitimate expert, someone truly qualified to answer your questions. In the name of transparency, this episode is sponsored by CeraVe. However, as per all of my expert interviews, the doctor is not here to sell you anything and must remain completely objective when answering your questions. For this reason, you will hear Dr. DeCruz recommend specific ingredients rather than products and offer more general advice, giving you the tools you need to make your own educated purchasing decisions. On a personal note, given that the range has been developed with dermatologists, I do use CeraVe myself and have repeatedly come back to it since its launch into Australia some two plus years ago. I know that consistency is key when it comes to my skin and finding a brand and products that I trust as much as I trust CeraVe has been quite literally transformative for my skin. Although a large part of my job is to trial new products, I do have a roster of products that I consider staples, products that I know my skin loves, and that I can use to hit reset and really restore balance to my skin between those trials. For me, CeraVe products, their hydrating range in particular are at the very core of that roster. In this episode, Dr. DeCruz answers your questions on winter skincare for the body. From why dry skin, irritations and conditions like dermatitis and psoriasis tend to flare up in the winter, and how to keep your skin protected from both cold air and dry indoor heating, through to the impact your winter shower habits are having on your skin, and whether or not you really need to moisturize your body every single day. We've definitely discussed this on the podcast before, but it's something that I'm still getting asked all the time, so definitely worth revisiting. Why is it that so many people suffer from dry skin in winter?
1: Yeah, it is a really common question and something that I deal with, I guess, most days of my career particularly from the months of say april through to august and and the reason really is that environmentally uh, the temperatures drop uh humidity is very low particularly here in melbourne victoria and we tend to artificially manipulate our environment to heat us up and that's through um, heaters obviously electric blankets uh layering clothing off our skin and all of these factors conspire against us to really dry the skin out through overheating and over drying uh particularly the use of say reverse cycle air conditioners which um when we use them as heaters are very very drying to the skin so it, it is that that common problem of actually using too many things to try to keep us warm which adversely affects our skin
0: There were a number of, I guess, themes that popped up when I put the call out for questions, so I thought we just might work through them one by one. The first was dermatitis. So what actually is dermatitis? Dermatitis
1: is the name that we use for inflammation of the skin. So any itis simply means inflammation and derm, obviously, skin. So the cause of dermatitis, or and we use the word eczema interchangeably, so sometimes you'll hear me refer to it as eczema, other times as, as dermatitis, It's probably sort of two major factors that conspire together. The first of these is a defective or broken skin barrier, so dry skin, which results in our skin becoming more porous, allowing water to evaporate from our skin, and allowing irritants, aggravants, and allergens to enter our skin. So that's the first thing, this ingress of irritating and allergenic material and the egress of water. The second part of dermatitis is actually a, a hypersensitive immune system. So one immune system normally fights infections, but in the case of eczema or dermatitis, it's actually fighting these irritants and allergens and unfortunately fighting our skin.
0: I imagine there's a pretty strong link between this question and the first, but a listener has written in saying, why does winter always flare up my dermatitis and what can i do to help settle it
1: winter is a very common time for eczema to flare because of the fact that our skin does dry out and when it dries out like the um if you think of sort of a a cracked pavement or a you know think of the northern territory where the earth is very dry we we actually develop a whole lot of cracks within our skin and through those cracks We get all of those dust particles, clothes fibers, bacteria, particularly staph aureus, uh, viruses and fungi coming in, and that stirs up the uh, inflammation or stirs up our immune system. So it's very common for winter to be uh, the time of the year that eczema or dermatitis flares up. And it is that close relationship between an intact skin barrier uh, and um, when it's destroyed, flaring up of eczema.
0: Another listener has asked, I've had a dermatitis flare-up to steroid cream or not to steroid cream?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about steroid creams and I'm really glad that we're actually discussing this today. Um, The Australasian College of Dermatologists are very clear that judicious or proper use of topical steroids is incredibly safe. And if we unpack that, what we mean is that topical steroids are, are safe to be used not only on the face but only on the body when they're at a, an appropriate strength. And this is the other issue people don't necessarily recognise: is that there is a huge spectrum of steroid potencies, from very weak steroids which are over the counter, to very strong steroids which are on prescription. When you've been prescribed a steroid, as long as it is by someone who knows what they're doing, so ideally a good general practitioner or a dermatologist, it's really important that they're used generously and for long enough to completely switch off the eczema or the dermatitis. And that may be for as long as one, two, or even up to three weeks continuously. But when we get the eczema under control, we don't want to continue using the steroid every day because that's when we get to run into problems. Instead, what we do is we reduce it, the frequency down, usually to what we call a weekend regimen, which is only twice a week. And good studies have shown that once or twice weekly application of steroid in a patient who suffers from eczema does not cause any thinning or problems with the skin even after a year. This is general advice, and patients really do need to seek advice from their GP or from their dermatologist because a, the diagnosis needs to be correct, so what they may be treating may not actually be eczema at all, uh, and b. The, the potency of the steroid must be appropriate. So I, I'm talking in general terms, but yes, when it's appropriate, steroid creams are very important in the treatment of, of eczema.
0: A few questions came in about keratosis pilaris. What is this and does it tend to flare up in the winter? Based on the questions that I received, it seems like it does.
1: Yeah, so KP or keratosis pilaris, which is commonly referred to as chicken skin, is – I would describe it as generic genetic variation, which means that it's actually really common and many people have it, they don't even think of it as a condition or a disease, it's simply the way their skin looks and feels. What it is essentially is excess skin cells growing around the hair follicles. Um, And these excess skin cells uh, then give the appearance of the skin to be quite rough or bumpy or goose skin like and it can feel rough number one and number two it can look a little bit red why do people get it well it's generally genetically determined so either you're going to inherit these genes from mum or dad and quite commonly there is a very strong linear relationship so grandma had it then mum had it now i have it uh, and i've passed it on to my my son or daughter Um, and it's just due to a genetic trait that results in excess skin and excess keratin It tends to flare up over winter, again, because of that whole dry skin phenomenon, whereby the the skin dries out, it then actually accentuates that follicular hyperkeratosis, which is another name for it.
0: A listener has asked, where should I start with treating keratosis pilaris? I have no clue how, and I'm so self-conscious about it.
1: Yeah, sure. So there's probably two main elements to KP. One is its color, which is often red, red little dots. And the second is it's the textual appearance of it, so the roughness. If we start with the roughness and the, the texture, this requires either alpha hydroxy acids, beta hydroxy acids, or urea. These are the three kind of key ingredients that have been shown to help smooth out the skin surface. Um, and these are available by a, a number of good uh, over-the-counter treatments. Um, and they can often be marketed for directly for keratosis pilaris. The, the top two brands that I generally recommend would be the Cerave SA cream and the Cerave SA moist, um, cleanser, because they contain salicylic acid as well as urea. And Linate is another brand that's readily available over the counter. The problem is that these products—they're not cures; they're long-term treatments, and so patients need to be pretty um, patient and persistent, using the, the cleanser in the bath, in the, sorry, in the shower, and moisturising every day with these sorts of these creams. The redness is a little more tricky and this generally requires laser and often multiple sessions of laser.
0: Another listener has written in saying I have small red goosebump type bumps on my legs. What could these be and how could I fix them?
1: Well, to me, the the most likely diagnosis is keratosis pilaris Mm. because that's exactly kind of what it kind of looks like and feels like. And they're often on the thighs or the the outer aspects of our thighs. So if that is the the diagnosis, well, then exactly what we've just discussed. So that's the use of a salicylic acid cleanser and moisturising cream and uh, potentially some vascular laser.
0: Psoriasis is another one that popped up quite a bit as well. So what actually is psoriasis?
1: Yeah, great question. And I'm glad glad we're discussing psoriasis in the same discussion as eczema because a lot of people have no clue what the difference is. Um, and, and the truth is it could be quite hard for, for people to really tell the difference just by looking at it. Psoriasis is an autoimmune condition uh, that results in red scaly plaques. So that's sort of a rash. We use the word plaques in dermatology to describe these these areas of skin. And it's quite common to present over the elbows, the knees, the, the scalp um, where you know many people think that it's a bad dandruff uh, but it can actually appear anywhere on the body so including the face uh, the stomach, the the belly buttons, it's like in fact a common common place for it, and it again is an autoimmune process. So generally genetically inherited. Again, maybe if mum and dad didn't have it, potentially an, an uncle or an aunt or a cousin, uh, and it's actually unfortunately also associated with a type of arthritis. So patients can get quite stiff uh, and sore joints, particularly earlier in the morning, um, like eczema which is a different autoimmune condition, it's also uh, important that patients with psoriasis keep their skin well well hydrated. So using a soap-free cleanser and a moisturiser is really important in addition to all the medical therapies we have to offer.
0: Another listener has asked, how can I help psoriasis in the colder months? And she's added that no humidity plus the heater isn't great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so just like in atopic eczema or dermatitis, the skin barrier really has to be protected here. And that's the use of um, nice, not too hot showers, not too long showers that so we want to keep them tepid and we want to make sure that we're cleansing with really respectful uh, soap-free cleansers and moisturising cleansers, what I call smart cleansers. We also want to make sure we're moisturising our skin generously after our showers. And that really is the best time to moisturise. Um, of course, Maintenance medical therapy is really important here. So, there's not why we don't have a cure for psoriasis, there's not one magic cream, um, there are multiple triggers. So, it's really important to get good advice from a medical practitioner about what can be done medically, but otherwise, it's about good skin care.
0: I also received a lot of questions just about general dryness of the skin on the body. One listener says, I have dry patches of skin on my body that won't go away. I've tried multiple treatments. What can I do?
1: Yeah. So dry skin as a principle really demands soap-free cleansers and moisturizers that are, I guess, contain the best ingredients that we know in 2021 have been proven to improve skin hydration. Um, So ceramide-based cleansers and moisturizers are critical here. And often because, there are so many different moisturisers and cleansers on the market, it's actually hard to know whether what a person is using is the best one for their skin. Um, There are lots of beautiful smelling moisturisers, of course, (laughs) uh, but that doesn't mean that they're actually any good. So if we're not getting anywhere with ceramide-based products that are minimalist in formulation and contain good amounts of glycerin and shea butter, then it's about seeking medical advice because it may actually be that there is an underlying inflammatory skin problem like eczema or like psoriasis that's just not being recognized and needs actually medical treatment
0: it's really good advice another has asked do you have any advice for a gal with super dry dull glowless skin in winter
1: yeah this is where I'm a big fan of the that magic ingredient that I think we've discussed before Gemma and that's hyaluronic acid yeah so I think HA is really nice. And I think that when you pair it with ceramide-based moisturisers, you, you do return that that glow. So the dull-looking skin is because light isn't reflecting off the skin um, back into the person's eyes that well. And that's often because the skin is so dry that it actually absorbs the wavelengths of light. So what we want to do is plump up the skin. We want to rehydrate it as much as possible. And I, and I believe that the hyaluronic acid based serum and even HA based masks will give us that hydration that our skin's, you know, demands and, and needs to, to look as radiant as possible.
0: I think I know the answer to this next one, but it, it popped up a bit. A few listeners have asked if moisturizing the body every day actually is essential. Um half of them said they can't be bothered doing it every day. And the other half said they just keep forgetting. They get out of the shower and they get dressed and go, oh whoops. So do we need to moisturize the body every single day?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think the answer really um, is it depends on what your skin is like Mm -hmm. and and what type of skin you have. So there are plenty of individuals who who naturally have genetically slightly oilier skin, really well hydrated skin. They don't have any skin problems. Um, Therefore, no, I don't believe these patients need to be using um, moisturisers every day. I guess in the cohort of people that I see, they present with skin problems, Mm. uh, whether it's acne, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, and in all of these conditions, I believe moisturising is essential. So bottom line is if you've got skin problems, you're dry, you're itchy, you've got actual inflammation or you're seeking medical therapy, chances are you need to moisturise. But if you don't, good luck to you.
0: (laughs) This was an interesting one. Someone has asked, is it true that body lotions aren't effective for dry skin and that creams are better?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, no, so body lotions, is not necessarily, they're not effective. In my opinion, they're slightly less effective than moisturizers that are cranes and baths. And the reason that is, is that lotions contain a lot of water, right? So they're often a, what we call an oil in water emulsion, which means that they're much higher in water content than they are in oil content. And that water often evaporates from the skin within 10 to 20 minutes of being applied to the skin. Now, there are some caveats to that because certainly there are good moisturizing lotions which contain ceramide. So we know that you're going to get really sick of me saying this, but we know that ceramide is are the key ingredient. And so I'm, I'm definitely more in favour of a ceramide-based lotion than one that isn't ceramide-based. But my personal preference is for moisturizing creams and balms because they are, do contain more ingredients like glycerin and shea butter, which help rehydrate the skin in conjunction with the the, um, the ceramides and tend to hang around in the skin for longer.
0: I'm actually not going to get sick of you talking about ceramides and you will see why with a question that's going to pop up shortly. But before <laughs> that, another listener has asked, my skin is looking and feeling really scaly this winter. Should I be using a body oil rather than a moisturiser?
1: Yeah, good one. So body oils... Uh, are simply providing the outer layer of skin with an oil slick. It can help smooth out and reflect light uh, better. It does not replace a moisturizer. And if we sort of define what is a moisturizer, it's usually a cream or a lotion that helps rehydrate the skin as well as providing an effective skin barrier. So that rehydration effect of a good moisturizer Um, will be absent if you only use an oil. So only using an oil will prevent you from potentially losing water from the skin, but it does nothing to rehydrate it. So I describe it as an oil slick on the skin. Yes, it helps to an extent, but it's not doing as much as we need for most skin conditions, particularly the the dry scaly skin of winter. So I don't believe it should replace the moisturiser, but it can certainly be used in addition to.
0: I feel like there was a really big focus on moisturizers with these questions and the products that we apply after showering, but only a couple of people asked about body wash. So I want to hone in on that. We have touched on this, but what should we be looking for in a really great body wash for winter?
1: Yeah, it is a good question and an often neglected one. Um, because again, you know, we're sort of in and out of the shower for most people within five to 10 minutes. And, you know, a lot of people go, Oh, I just, I just wash with water or I, you know, I have this beautiful smelling, you know, St. I's body wash or whatever it is. But the, the reality is that we now have what we call smart cleansers and smart cleansers are defined as fragrance free and hypoallergenic products. So then, you know, free of nasties, but they actually contain ingredients like ceramides, hyaluronic acid, niacinamide, the vitamin B3, that can not only rehydrate but also soothe the skin in the shower. So in my opinion, it's about complementing your moisturiser with an equally as effective cleanser. I think over winter, the cream-based cleansers make more sense because they are, again, quite soothing, they're quite rich. Um, and in the more spring and summer months, it's, it's OK to maybe perhaps move to an oil-based cleanser. But again, this does come down to personal preference and there's no real right or wrong. As long as your cleanser isn't triggering or aggravating skin problems, um, then again, all those ingredients that I've listed are are, are very helpful and they complement the good moisturiser.
0: I'm really feeling for this next listener because she's hit a, it's a pretty common trifecta. She says she's suffering from sensitive dry and acne-prone skin on the body. Is there a way to treat all three of those concerns simultaneously?
1: Yeah, it is, um, it is not actually that uncommon for patients to have that true combination skin where they, they are very dry and sensitive, but then they're also acne-prone. So I, again, like to use really basic products in these sorts of patients because we know if we use anything too active, we're going to aggravate the skin, we're going to actually trigger uh, eczema, trigger potentially psoriasis if they have it, and maybe even make their acne worse. So I really like products that have a cream base, but maybe have a gentle foaming action. And there are a number of good products that do this, because you're actually going to um, address both issues. We need slight foaming uh, to remove the excess oil and excess dead skin cells that then block hair follicles triggering acne, but we don't want to overstrip the skin. So looking for that perfect balance can actually be quite difficult, but uh, certainly there are there are good products out there that do that, and with a light moisturizer on top, not too thick so as to actually trigger acne, but this is a perfect example of where sort of a lotion may be more appropriate, where you don't want to use something that's a thick cream or balm. Uh, you certainly don't want to use too, too much oil, but you actually want to rehydrate the skin. So that's where I like it, a ceramide-based lotion.
0: This question popped up a bit. Should we be avoiding AHAs and BHAs in winter?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the, the concept here is that AHA, AHAs and BHAs are skin exfoliants and therefore they may aggravate pre-existing dry skin that is, is triggered by winter. So the answer is they don't need to be avoided altogether unless you are over-exfoliating and you have excessively dry skin. It may be that for you personally, you need to reduce the frequency of BHA and AHA to perhaps once or twice per week, but you'd only need to do that if you could see that your skin was suffering as a result of being too dry. So it's a personal decision and it really comes down to reading your skin and how it's reacting at this time of year.
0: This question came from one of my girlfriends, unsurprisingly. She said, Jem, you keep telling me that I should be using ceramides. Why though? Yeah,
1: so no, know it is an important question and I, I keep talking about them, so it's important that we justify it. So it all comes down to what medical research has shown us about the key uh, ingredients and actives in our skin that keep us hydrated. And when we examine the skin at a microscopic cellular level, we, we see that it's like the bricks and mortar model of a house, whereby the skin cells of the bricks and the mortar or the cement that keeps it together is this very complex combination of free fatty acids, sterols, cholesterol, and ceramides. And research has proven that patients who have dry skin and eczema prone as well as psoriasis prone skin are deficient in ceramides. It's not just ceramides, there are other ingredients such as filagrin that have been proven to be deficient. But when patients suffer from these skin conditions and we test their ceramide levels, these are um, uh, lipids that are actually significantly deficient. So thereby replenishing them is really important when we want to rehydrate the skin and, and help and, and uh, prevent skin conditions. But that's why they're so important because they've actually been proven to be key ingredients in a healthy skin barrier that are deficient in an unhealthy skin barrier or a broken skin barrier.
0: We've touched on a few of them. Other than ceramides, what other sorts of ingredients should we be looking for in our winter body skin care?
1: Yeah. So I think the key ones are those that soothe our skin because we all know in winter, we just tend to be a little bit drier and a little bit itchier, and that's really common. So the top the top ingredients that I like are niacinamide, so vitamin B3, which is proven to be anti-inflammatory and soothing. Um, and I also like certain products that will contain a bit of zinc. Zinc's often anti-inflammatory and again, quite soothing. And of course, hyaluronic acid, because what that's doing is it's really, again, holding all that moisture in just like a sponge. They're the most important ingredients in my opinion, but similarly, it's important to avoid the fragrances and avoid Mm. all those excess preservatives, and in my opinion, botanicals, that can actually trigger skin allergy, uh, especially at this time of year.
0: One listener asks, I've been using a body scrub to remove dead and dry skin. It was working really well in the summer, but since the cold snap, I'm finding that scrubs just leave my skin feeling really tight. Why is that?
1: Yeah, and I think this, again, comes into what we've been discussing about the the dryness of winter, the heat and and, uh, excessive Exfoliation of our skin being aggravated by a body scrub. So, I mean, a body scrub by its very purpose or design is designed to remove excess dead skin cells, so to exfoliate our skin. And in winter, we tend to uh, exfoliate slightly more naturally uh, because of that dryness. So, it's about tempering your body skin care to the time of the year. And that's not an uncommon problem uh, that people actually start to reject their pre existing. Um, Body scrub, so it's something that only needs to be done in the summer, if if at all. So again, you know, exfoliation is not necessary for everyone. If we if we remember, actually, our skin naturally exfoliates, and you only need to exfoliate if we have a problem of quite dull skin or acne-prone skin. Um, when you've got the drier skin types, and you probably don't need to be exfoliating at all.
0: A nice one to wrap up on. A listener has asked, can you give us an idea of what a good body care routine for winter looks like?
1: Yeah, so I think it starts off with that, what we do in the shower, which is, first of all, making sure that the water temperature isn't too hot. And this can be pretty hard because, obviously, it's cold. We we use it. We like hot showers because they make us feel good, they, they're reinvigorating, they wake us up. Um, but unfortunately, those excessively hot, long showers are, are only aggravating and drying our skin out because we evaporate a lot of water from our skin in that first five to ten minutes after a hot shower. So keeping them short, keeping them tepid, Number one. Number two is using a good body cleanser that is again, a smart cleanser. So one that's proven to have ingredients that rehydrate such as hyaluronic and ceramides uh, and perhaps some niacinamide. So whether we use a cream-based cleanser or an oil cleanser, depending on our preference, uh, is, is perfectly suitable as long as it doesn't contain any of the nasties. So the you know, heavily fragranced, heavily preserved, um, preserved products are, are unad- unadvisable. I then tend to uh, hop out of the shower, we pat the skin dry rather than actually um, completely using our towel to remove every droplet of water. We, we actually, as dermatologists, we love trapping in moisture from the shower. So I generally ask the patients to apply their moisturising cream, again, which I rate slightly higher than lotions, uh, immediately after the shower. And that actually, if done, on a uh, regular basis, patients really notice the improvement in their dry scaly skin of winter, because it just develops into that routine of showering and then moisturising immediately, trapping in all the hydration and then using really good products at night. Then the use of a body oil after that, it's completely optional. So if a, if a patient really would like to and has a nice oil that they find is required because they are still too dry, go ahead, but it's not something that I think needs to be incorporated into the daily routine for everyone.
0: That was specialist dermatologist and founder of Southern Dermatology, Dr. Ryan Cruz, who you can find on Instagram at Dr. Ryan DeCruz and at Southern Dermatology underscore Melb. You can discover more about CeraVe's dermatologist developed skincare at ceraVe.com.au or on Instagram at ceraV underscore And if you're at Chemist Warehouse, look out for CeraVe's hydrating range to keep your skin looking and feeling healthy this winter. If you want to learn even more, you can join Sarah V's live, free, virtual skin chat on Thursday, July 22nd, 8pm, Australian Eastern Standard Time at sarahvskinchat.com.au. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast, and thank you for joining me.